this morning. Jesus, we thank you, we love you, we worship you, we glorify your wonderful name. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be in your house, to be in your presence. We ask you to bless this service this morning. We ask you to touch our hearts and lives as we look into the word of God. We ask you to bless every person here this morning. Touch us with your great love, mercy, and grace. We give you the praise and glory for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your friend next to, to you there. Shake their hand and greet them in Jesus' name. Good to see a good crowd here this morning. God bless you. We are studying the subject of the resurrection. You have in your Bibles, if you'll turn with us to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This may sound like a strange subject to be studying here near Christmas time. But this is where, where our study in 1 Corinthians has brought us to. And the 16th chapter is the very last chapter of 1 Corinthians. We're concluding with this, uh, this wonderful book in the Bible. And uh, we have uh, just one more chapter after after today, which is the fifteenth uh, chapter, and the resurrection chapter, you have your Bibles right in there. Resurrection chapter, chapter fifteen, because this is a very important chapter in the Bible, and has many interesting things. Last week we talked to you about how that Paul talked about that there were some who did not believe in the resurrection, and he said, "How can you believe? How can you not believe in the resurrection and believe in the resurrection of Christ? If Christ." If, you, if there is no resurrection, then Christ has not risen from the dead. If Christ has not risen from the dead, neither will we rise from the dead. And if we will not rise from the dead, then there is no resurrection, there is no hope, there's no future, there's nothing. And he went on to say, I, and, 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 and he said, we'd be of all men most miserable because we're trying to live a life expecting that we'd be, have eternal life when there is no resurrection. So he talked about the resurrection. The resurrection is that of the dead. And, of course, he talked about that. I'm going to pick up here where we sort of left off last week. And I want you to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 35. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. And uh, <clears throat> the resurrection subject is the most intense in the Bible because without the resurrection, everything else in Christianity does not mean anything. The death, and burial, death burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the ultimate of everything. For instance, uh, we're coming up on Christmas. Christmas is a big season here in America. Uh, and yet in the Bible, there's only two of the gospel books that even mentions the birth of Christ. And that's Matthew and Luke. Mark and John never even mentioned the birth of Christ, but they all mention the resurrection extensively. Uh, I was in South Africa, what, three or four times, and uh, preached uh, conferences and things down there it's amazing down in South Africa and Swaziland and those areas down in there that Easter is their big holiday it's not Christmas as strange as it may seem Easter is their big holiday and whenever Friday comes they all go home and they go back to their home and uh, as, it, as it was where I was going and, and be preaching this crusade for them or this conference for them uh, it, would go, it would go for three or four days. It would be like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And uh, 
they would uh, gather there in the, that's at this church, the largest auditorium in that country, and they would gather there and they would sleep on the floor in the daytime, uh, at nighttime, and then they would have church there just about all day in the daytime. And uh, they'd have big pots, big, big old, like wash pots. They have that thing full of food. They'd stir them big paddles around there, and they feed all those people. And they just all hung around there for about three days. They all lived there day and night and worshiped God and had a great services and everything. It was a wonderful thing to see. That was Easter time, and it was a very amazing thing. And it carried right on over into Monday. Monday was a holiday as well, you know, Sunday, Monday. So I'm just saying that it was big in Africa, but when come Easter, it was more of a mild time, and they got a little off, but not a whole lot. With us, Christmas is, is a big thing. And so uh, I should have said Christmas, not Easter, but Christmas to them. So here I am in the resurrection, talking about the resurrection, here almost at Christmas time, but we're finishing this up. Everybody have your Bibles with you? All right. Look with us, if you would, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? In other words, people ask questions. And so because people, it's hard for people to conceive that the dead will be resurrected. And then, unless God does it, folks, it, it, it won't happen. It, it can't happen. And I won't say one word for what it's worth here to all of us today. This thing about the walking dead, that's of the devil. That stuff is of the devil. All of the imaging, all of the pictures, all of the movies, all, I don't know what all there is, all of the stuff that comes out of that whole concept, which is really amplified around Halloween. And, and then they play it along all through the year and, and, and they get it in kids' minds and all that kind of stuff. It's a mockery on the resurrection that God has planned for his people. Praise God. It's a mockery on that. So I wanted to just tell you here, stay as far away from that message you can to the devil. You look in the Bible sometime when there was one guy in, in, the, in the one part of the Bible there where he had a devil in him and he hung around the graveyard all the time. That's where he hung around the graveyard. Why do you want to hang around where dead people are buried? Because he had a devil in it. That's devilish stuff. So what I'm trying to say here is that when God does it, it's beautiful, it's right, and it's going to be wonderful. But uh, the devil will try to paint an ugly picture in other words, about what it is and how it will look. Now, I'm going to go back here to the scripture. Look at verse 35. This is Paul explaining the resurrection because some people can say, I believe we die and our, and our spirit goes up, you know, whatever, and so forth, and we live forever. Some people believe in reincarnation. Some people believe we go to a great hunting ground. The Indians, I guess, believe that. Some of them believe we go into a who uh, Hinduism believes, and we go into Brahma, and they have all these various beliefs, but that's the spirit, but the body stays in the ground, and it never leaves there. Now, I'm going to give you scripture here. He says here, verse 35, but some men will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Then he says in verse 36, thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. In other words, when you sow a seed, you have to put it in the ground. And when it's put in the ground, then it begins to die, as he refers to it, or we would call it germinate, and it begins to change forms and so forth. So he says here, unless it, except that it died. Verse 37, 
And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain, it may chance of wheat or of some other grain. In other words, whenever you put it in the ground, you put it in, let's take a grain of corn. You're going to plant a grain of corn in the ground. And when it comes forth out of the ground, it doesn't come forth a great big grain of corn. It comes forth a corn stalk with leaves. And then it has ears. And on the ears are the grains of corn. And you, and you well know that. So what he is saying, what you plant in the ground, what comes forth from that is different than what you put in the ground. Very good illustration here that he brings out and, and showing how the resurrection will be. Not as we are put in the ground, but we will come forth in a different fashion and different form, which at this point he's not mentioning how. And then he goes into detail. Look at verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh. Then he talks about the flesh itself that dying. There is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another flesh of fishes, another flesh of birds. He's talking about how there's various kinds of flesh in the world. And then he goes into verse 40. There are also celestial bodies, talking about heavenly bodies, celestial, celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. Terrestrial is earthly. So there's heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the glory of the celestial, celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Then he goes on to say in verse 41, there is one glory of the sun Another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Now what he's pointing out here is that there is going to be a resurrection of the dead, but they are, it's not going to be the body that's sown. Praise the Lord. Uh, whatever body that we die with in this life, it won't be that body. It'll be a new body but it will come forth from that old body. Now, you say, Brother Myers, figure how, how do you figure all that? That's God's great miraculous works. I mean, God's not limited on how he does things and so forth. He says to us, I can do it, I will do it, and you must believe it. And he proved it by doing it with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ rose from the dead and was glorified. Now, the Bible said, we do not yet know how we shall appear, but we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. Uh, he was glorious. I mentioned this illustration before, but he was brighter than the noonday sun when he appeared unto Paul on the road to Damascus. Bright as the sun, a, gloria, a glorious body. Uh, these things let us know that that glorified body that will be in the resurrection will be something very great, something awesome, and it will be like Christ's body, and we'll have a glorified body, and we'll be like him. Now, how does that all come about? God is God. God will take care of it, and God will do it. I believe it. I believe it because I believe the word. Praise the Lord. And he spends an entire chapter here saying, don't try to discredit or discount the fact there's going to be a resurrection, and God is going to do it, and he'll do it right, and he's going to give us a new body in the resurrection. No, so here's what it says here in verse 42. So also as the resurrection of the dead is sown in corruption, that is, when it dies, it's corrupted. It is sown in, in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Verse 43, it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is sown in, 
it is raised in power. Verse 44, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Praise the Lord. Then down in verse 48, as is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. Praise the Lord. So he talks about this. And he says in verse 49, as we have borne the image of the earthly, which is the image of Adam, who was earthly, we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly, speaking of Jesus Christ. Verse 50, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. But I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. Praise the Lord. In a moment, verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, but the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So what we have looked at here is the various forms of the resurrection. And I'm going to put a chart up here on the board here that's called the understanding the resurrection. Because we'll go a little further into it here this morning. All right, I want you to go to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. I'm going to enlarge this a little bit here where we can see it better. Everybody see that up in the left-hand corner? I don't give it, uh, and it's focused good, automatic focus. There we go, real clear. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, if you'll turn there with us for just a moment here. It says here, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice here it says that we're made up of body, soul, and spirit. Everybody see that? Body, soul, and spirit. I'm going to slip this screen over here to show you the three forms of man. Now, here's man here, this little fellow right here. And when we die, our bodies is put in the grave. And our spirit and our soul goes back to God who gave it. And I'll give you a picture on that. And I want you to turn to, to, uh, to Ecclesiastes, if you will, the book of Ecclesiastes with us. And I'm going to read to you here chapter 12 and verse 7. The reason I'm putting emphasis on this verse and the truth about it, about our spirits going back, is that many people believe that when we die, our spirit goes back to God and our bodies go into the ground and our bodies never leave the ground. It's always there. All we do is our spirit goes back. There are some people who believe in what's called soul sleeping. They believe that when we die, our spirit and our soul stays with the body in the ground until the resurrection. That's wrong as well. That's not it. So I'm giving you scriptures here to show you that our spirit and our soul, which the Bible mentions, we've got we're body, soul, and spirit. The soul is the person you are. The person is it's the real you. Uh, your body is what we see. It's what you touch, what you feel. The, per, the soul, your soul, you is is the you that you are, the individual that you are. 
And then your spirit is the life that's in you. The spirit is your life. Uh, can you give us a script? Yeah, you give a script over here. Give us John uh, 4.24. Uh, John 4.24, I believe it is over here for a moment. John 4.24, I'll show you something here. This is an interesting verse. And uh, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Notice God is a spirit. That S is capital. Everybody see that? Every Bible has it like that. If you'll notice down here, they that worship him must worship him in spirit. Notice the S there is small. It doesn't mean that you've got to worship him in the Holy Spirit. That's not referring to the Holy Spirit down at the bottom. It says God is a spirit. Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, Holy Ghost. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The word spirit there means with life. It comes from the Greek word pneuma, which means life. You have to worship him lively. So the spirit in us is our life. So our soul is the individual we are, is the person we are. And the spirit, our spirit, is our life. The spirit and the soul never leave each other. They're always together because the spirit gives life to the soul. And when the body, when we die, the body is departed from the spirit and the soul. So the soul and the spirit goes back to God who gave it. Now, I'm reading here in, Thess- in, in, uh, in Ecclesiastes 12, 7, as you see in your scriptures up there. Ecclesiastes uh, 12, 7, which is this one right here. Then I'm going to move on very quickly here. It says, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. This is also found in Ecclesiastes 3.21. You can also read about it in, in, uh, in Psalms 90 and 10. 90 and 10, if you want to ever look at that one. James 2 and 26, likewise, will state this, that, uh, that the spirit uh, leaves the body and that's when it's, the body dies and so forth. But the spirit goes back to God who gives it. The spirit does not stay, or the soul does not stay with the body in the ground, as some people teach today. And, uh, of course, uh, others believe it leaves the body, and, and that's the end of the body. And that's wrong, too, because there will be a resurrection. The only thing that can be resurrected is that the died. If the soul and the spirit doesn't die then the resurrection has to be that of the body. So the body has to be resurrected. So there is coming a resurrection time in which the soul and the spirit is reunited with the body. Now, I'm going to move on here. I want to talk about three other things here. I want you to look in uh, Revelations chapter 20 and verse uh, 6. Look in 20 and 6 in Revelations, if you would, with us for a moment. And I'm just establishing some facts here. And as you well know, I, I believe in scriptures to support what we talk about, teach. And in uh, Revelations uh, 20 and, what did I say? It's 20, 20 and 6. Did I say 20 and 6? Yes. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Notice that. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and with Christ shall reign with, for him, with him for a thousand years. Now, back it up to the fifth verse. It says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Now, look at verse 5. But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. 
This is the first resurrection. In other words, it goes back to talking about the first resurrection. And that's what you and I will be a part of, is the first resurrection. That's why he said that Jesus Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. And we are the next resurrection. This is the next thing to happen is that of the church. This is why, folks, if you're saved and walking with God, keep on walking with God. There is going to be a rapture of the church. I'll give you some more scripture on that in a few moments. But there is going to be the rapture of the church. But, and they are, they are the holy ones. We have to be holy to be in the rapture. So there is that, there is that uh, holiness and there's that holy, the, the, the holiness of righteousness and, and righteousness and so forth. I want you to look at 2211 with me. Revelation, you're right there in Revelation. Just go to 2211. And uh, this is uh, the next chapter over, two chapters over in Revelation. That he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. Let him be, and, and he that is holy, let him be holy still. Notice here there's a distinction between the righteous in the end time and the holy. A person can be righteous within ourselves, but you cannot be holy without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes us holy. The Lord said, be ye holy, for I am holy, but we need his spirit in us to be holy as he is holy. We need the Holy Spirit to make us holy, and it is the holy that will be in the rapture. Praise the Lord. I'm going to give you verses for that in a few moments. But we need the Spirit of God in us. Now, it talks about, it doesn't say the wicked here in verse 11. It says the unjust and the filthy. This is two types of wickedness, two types of wickedness. There is the unjust, people who are just mean-spirited. They're, they're just, they don't treat no one right. They're mean to everybody. They steal the last dollar from their grandmother. I mean, just mean-spirited. They, they, you know. Then there's the filthy wicked. You know, They smoke, chew tobacco, curse like a sailor, or it's mule skinner, I should say sailor. God bless our sailors. Curse like a muse. I mean, they just got a foul mouth. They just nasty, you know, just mean, filthy, filthy sinners. Sometimes people who are filthy sinners, they'll treat their neighbors real good. They're, they're nice to the fellow man, you know, but they're just mean as a snake and all the other stuff that they do. And then the people who are unjust could be somebody, they don't smoke, they don't drink, they don't chew tobacco, they don't spit tobacco juice all over the place. They don't do none of that kind of stuff. They just, you know, really look, dress in a suit and all that stuff, but they can be wicked as the devil in their heart and so forth. You know what I'm talking about. So it names both of these types of wickedness. So it gives us actually three categories here, the wicked, the righteous, and the holy. And the holy will come forth, uh, be resurrected in resurrection. Now, let me give you a little bit bigger picture here. This is the three categories of people that we've got listed here. We've got the holy, the righteous, and the wicked. And when we die, our bodies are put in the ground and our souls go back to God who gave it. Now, if we are, if we are righteous or holy, we go to a place called paradise. Paradise. If we are wicked, we go to a place called hell. Go to a place called hell. And God puts us there until the judgment. Until the judgment. This is the soul and the spirit, folks, not the body. And so the soul and the spirit is put here until it comes time for the resurrection. 
Let's, let's establish that. I want you to look in 2 Corinthians uh, 12 and 4. 2 Corinthians 12 and 4. I'm going to read this second verse. I'm going to read 12, 2 down through 5 here. I, know, I knew a man about 14 years ago, and Paul's talking about himself here. And he's referring to an experience that he had 14 years before when he was in Lystra, the city of Lystra, which is today Turkey. And he was stoned to death. Paul was stoned to death by the people and was taken outside of the town to be just drug out there and left. And his disciples went out, those that were with him went out there and stood with him. And he, he was revived and God brought him back to life again. This is in all, all in the book of Acts. You can read about it sometimes. But Paul's talking about himself in this fashion. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such an one caught up to the third heaven. He had this experience while he was in this condition. And I, and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up to, in, into paradise. Now notice here this place he was caught up to was called third heaven and then also called paradise. Either, either is right. And heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. And then he says in verse 5, of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. In other words, he's talking about himself, but he's not going to, He's not going to talk about him. He's not going to brag about himself. So this is why he was saying what he said in verse 5. My point that I'm bringing out to you is that this is the place called paradise or third heaven. In the Old Testament or before Calvary, it was called Abraham's bosom. And it goes along with scriptures where it talks about when, like when Moses died, it says that he was gathered unto his people. Or when Aaron died, he, he was gathered unto his people. His soul and spirit was not left in the grave. It was gathered unto his people, which was like Abraham's bosom, as it was referred to in the book of Luke. And this is what's brought out down here where it talks about hell. It's in the book of Luke and Abraham's bosom. Turn to Luke 16 with me, if you will, for a moment. Luke 16. This is a... uh, this is the story that Jesus gave. Verse 19, there was a certain rich man, 1619 of Luke. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, fared sumptuously every day, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. The man had sores all over him. He was dying, and he just wanted some crumbs. Of course, the, the rich man never gave him anything. came to pass that the beggar died, was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom or unto his people. These are all, these are Jewish people speaking of. The rich man also died and was buried and in hell, verse 23, and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torments. So there is a place of hell. Jesus referred to hell as a place of torment. Jesus himself referred to it in the book of Mark and other places. In hell, he lifted up his voice, his eyes, being in torment, seeing Abraham afar off, said Lazarus touch uh, in his bosom. And he said, uh, let him dip his fingers in water and touch my tongue, 
And then the last verse in verse 24, the last phrase in verse 24, for I am tormented in, these, in this flame. And uh, then he goes on to say there's a great gulf fixed and I can't come to you and you can't come to me and so forth, the separation. So what I'm pointing out to you here is that whenever Lazarus died, he went to this place called paradise. Whenever the rich man died, he went here. So here is where this solid line goes back to God who gave it. And the solid line is where the soul and the spirit of the wicked go to hell. And then the, the righteous and the wicked, righteous being the blue and the, and, and the righteous and the holy, I should say, goes back to paradise. And that's where we go when we die. And we can stop it right there. However, let me show you what's going to come. We're going to talk about the resurrection now. The resurrection. And uh, if you look at this, I'm going to move it a little further into the chart here. When the rapture takes place, which is the first resurrection, the resurrection of the church, uh, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And this is what Paul was talking about in that 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. You know, the corruptible shall put on incorruption and the mortal shall put on immortality and so forth. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter, thir- chapter 4 and verse 13. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. God will bring with him. Sleeping in Jesus is a term meaning they have died, but they've died in Christ. They're dead in Christ. But they are, they call it, he uses the term sleep as a, as, a, as a nice word to say that person has died. But their spirit, the soul is with Christ so that Christ will bring them with him. Here's what it says. Uh, verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, and that, and that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, and that word is pre-event, pre-event. In other words, it shall not happen before. Uh, It's the old way the English in the translations would say, they would say prevent and pre-event the same way. Today we use a hyphen in between, pre-event. So it goes on to to get the proper understanding here. And remain until the coming of the Lord shall not pre-event them which are asleep. In other words, us rising from the dead will not be before the dead rise first. And then it goes on to say it, verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. This is the rapture now. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, which is what, the, what it's saying when it says, We shall not pre-event them. They shall come first. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, I don't know how the rapture is going to take place, but I know the dead will rise first, and then we are alive, we shall be caught up together in the cloud. You understand what I'm saying? Together. So the Lord will come from the east, I think, and circle the globe, I guess. And as he does so, the the dead in Christ shall rise, and then we which are alive will be right behind them. Or either he'll do that first, and then he'll do it again. 
and then we which are alive shall be caught up to meet him. The Bible said there will be two in the fields working. That's the middle of the day. One should be taken, one should be left. There will be two grinding, two women should be in the, field, in, the, in the mill grinding corn. One should be taken, one should be left. That's the rapture in the morning. Uh, two should be in the bed. One should be taken, one should be left. Uh, two will be uh, doing something else. One should be taken, working in the field. Working, one taken, one left. Meaning, it'll be at different times of the day at different places. It used to be hard for the ancients to figure that out. Until later in the times, we understand the world is round. And that at different places or different times of the day or night in different parts of the world. Whatever it is, when the rapture takes place, Jesus will circle the globe and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The Bible said it'll be in the moment and the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. It'll be so quick. Uh, so the rapture is a great hope that we have. It's the hope that we have. And that's what this part of our chart here represents is that we've got the corruptible and the incorruptible. The, the corruptible and the, and the, the corruptible will become incorruptible, and the mortal shall become immortal, and we'll be rising to meet the Lord, and it's called the rapture of the church, and we just read that to you. Following the rapture of the church is going to be the tribulation period on the earth that the book of Revelation talks so much about. It's a period of about, we know it's at least 14, at least seven years, possibly 10 years, possibly 14 years even be longer, but it's going to be a short span. And then following that, there is going to be the white, it's going to be a, a thousand years of peace on this earth. And, uh, and we will be in the holy city with the Lord. We'll have a special place with God. Uh, during that tribulation period of time, there's going to be some more raptures that will be happening out of the tribulation period, which we get into when we study that book. But the thousand years of peace is what God has promised Israel. The righteous on the earth, they shall enjoy a thousand years of peace. The devil will be bound a thousand years. But you and I as a church, will be with Christ. We will have a glorified body like as unto his glorified body. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Folks, sometimes you go through some trials. You go through hardships and you go through difficulties. And you go through all kinds of things. But understand here that the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. I don't know what the future holds before the Lord comes. I don't know. But let me just say one thing. Stay faithful to Jesus. Jesus will never fail. He's never failed anyone. He's never failed. He never will. But stay faithful to the Lord. Walk with him. Trust in him. Believe in him. And we'll have ups and downs. You have had your ups and downs already. I have had my ups and downs. We may have more. But one of these days, the trumpet will sound, praise God, if we live till Jesus comes. And if we do, if that happens, then the Lord is going to take us home. And eternity is a long, long, long time to have a glorified body, never to see, never to see death, never to see sorrow, never to see grief, never to see sadness, but to be you know, in his glory, in his presence, his power. Uh, like the angels, only greater than the angels, the Bible says. I won't go any further into that. But I'm just giving you a picture here. And then at the end time, there's going to be the white throne judgment. And I see that my time has run out and everything. But next week, I'm going to finish this up by talking to you about 
where the righteous and the wicked are brought forth. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture on that, where that there's going to be an end time judgment time in which God will judge the world. And folks, he will judge the world. He will judge wickedness and he will judge those who are righteous. There are many people who are good people. They've never heard the name of Jesus. They try to do the best they can. I'm going to give you some beautiful scriptures in here of how God is going to be good to people at the white throne judgment who have been good to you because you are his child. We have a special place with the Lord, and we walk with him in in the spirit of truth and holiness and so forth. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together and worship God and thank him here this morning. God bless you. You've been a good audience through all of this. Amen. Sorry about the breakdown on the machine. Hallelujah. Let's glorify his name. God, we praise you. We love you. We thank you for truth. Thank you, Lord, for your wonderful, wonderful salvation. We ask you to bless us all here today. Bless us, God, as we look into your wonderful word and go into the morning service here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.